Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and let me tell you, I am so stoked for you to dive into this episode because last week, this guest today came in second place at the Bandera 100K, which is one of the most competitive 100Ks in the United States, given that it's a golden ticket race. And our guest today, with that second place finish, secured his golden ticket into Western States 100 later this year. Now, our guest today also has had a ton of impressive results, which I'll also go on in the intro in the episode. But man, JP Giblin, who is our guest today, This was his first podcast interview, but man, I'm telling you, after you listen to this, you're going to be wishing this guy was on more podcasts because you're going to get fired up. You're going to get motivated because JP shares all of, you know, the the philosophies that he has around self-belief, around motivation, around crushing and setting goals for yourself, around pushing yourself. And he boils it down and not only some really, really inspiring stories, but at the same time, very actionable steps that's going to allow you to do the same, going to allow you to beat imposter syndrome, going to allow you to really show up on that starting line ready to go and allowing you to lean deeper into the suffering to allow it to make you get better as a runner going on. I mean, how amazing is that, right? We all know ultra marathons can be tough. Um, and this guy utilizes that difficulty to help him move forward. And, uh, man, JP is an amazing dude. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. It's going to be so, so good. I know I was fired up after this, so I know you will be as well. Now, before I dive into this episode, I really want to talk about, you know, something that is relevant to all this, right? Like I always say that it's important to get the mental training down too. Um, and when it comes to physical training, I always say the best thing to do is follow an amazing training plan or have a coach that's going to help you to uh, really uh, curate a training plan that's best for you. And so, again, on this podcast, I always recommend products that have worked for me, ones that I currently use, and that, and for me right now, um, in terms of training plan and coaching, uh, I work with Zach Bitter, and I've been working with him for over a year now, and he's helped me go from starting out in ultra running just a few years ago to placing top 10 at the Havelina 100, which is one of the most competitive 100 milers in the world. On top of that, Zach has also held world records for the fastest 100 mile time and most miles completed in 12 hours. So when it comes to the real deal, Zach Zach is the way to go for this too. Um, the cool thing is Zach has both pre-made training plans or personalized training plans, which comes with personalized coaching for your own goals. The pre-made training plans, you can pick your own distance of what you're training for, whether it's uh, you know a 5K, 10K, 50 mile, 100 mile, whatever that is, and your experience level as well. So if you're just starting out in running or ultras, he's got level one training plans. If you're a little bit more seasoned and want to go for like a PR or you know, you're just more inclined to running, He's got level three training plans. So he has all these different plans that match your race goal and your level of experience as well, which is so, so critical to not only getting great performance, but to training smart to keep yourself uninjured and to keep yourself progressing in a smart way um, without sacrificing, you know, any things that come from like following a standard training plan that isn't tailored to you. 
And if you want to go a little deeper with Zach, he also offers personalized coaching plans where you tell him everything from, you know, your daily schedule to your stress levels to any travel dates or anything that's kind of coming up in your life or schedule changes or anything like that. And he will come up with a plan personalized for you. That's what I've been doing with him. And uh, we hop on calls once every four weeks as well, which is an additional offer that he has too, to kind of go through uh, a recap of how things are going, what we need to tweak for the future, and ultimately um, what I need to do to hit my goals. And he's here to help you to do that as well. So if you'd like to check out his pre-made training plans, go to zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans. Or if you're interested in more personalized coaching options with him, go to zachbitter.com slash coaching. Or you can go to the links directly in the show notes as well. I put them in there for you. But let me tell you, if you're looking for a great coach to work with or a great training plan to follow, one that's going to keep you progressing, keep you hitting your goals, and ultimately allowing you to become a better endurance athlete, which I know this is the, the main goal of everybody listening to this podcast, then I highly suggest Zach Bitter, man. He's, he's just amazing. And so uh, shout out to Zach. Please work with him if you know, you're considering a coach for sure. And I'm happy to answer any questions as well. So always feel free to reach out. Now, without further ado, let's get into this amazing episode with JP Giblin on the Everyday Ultra Podcast. And thanks so much for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I am so, so stoked for this episode. So um, I was telling our guests like before uh, we started recording here that I love seeing people who set like big goals for themselves and then they go out and they accomplish it, right? Like whether it's going out and maybe finishing their first 100 miler or maybe they're hitting their PR or in this case specific to our guest today, it is winning a golden ticket to secure a spot into Western States 100. That's a goal for a lot of us here. Like we eventually want to get into Western, whether it's lottery or golden ticket. And uh, today we have someone who is going to Western States in 2023 after nailing a golden ticket at the most recent Bandera 100 K this past Saturday in Texas. Um, but the cool thing is too, you know, not only did he go out and slam Bandera coming in at second place at a beautifully ran race, he's also had an incredible 2022. So at Canyons, he finished in 12th place male, which is an incredibly, incredibly stacked field. So 12th place there is amazing. Silver Rush 50 miler, second place. Leadville 100 miler, second place. Well, we all know Leadville. I mean, that is just one of the craziest races out there. And it comes second there is amazing. And then the McDowell Mountain some frenzy 50 miler uh third place which was a very stacked field this year with that solomon sponsorship and then of course in 2023 bandera 100k so we're going to dive into the man who has been there was uh the name behind all these amazing results and i'm super stoked to chat with him and we're here with jp givlin on the everyday ultra podcast jp thanks so much for coming on my man and congrats again on the golden ticket <laughs> thanks for having me on joe it's uh, uh thanks for the platform and uh yeah let's jump into it yeah, man, absolutely. And I'm so stoked to dive into your background because like, again, like, you know, I was looking at your ultra sign up and I saw like 2019, you were involved in a lot of races and getting, you know, putting yourself out there. And then all of a sudden there's like a gap and then you just came out of the gate hot in 2022. So I'd love to chat like a little bit about that, what led up to Bandera and obviously the race too. But before we go into all that, tell us a little bit about how you got into the sport of ultra running and what your background was like getting into the sport in the first place. Yeah, so I started out as a triathlete. Um, I remember just going down the rabbit hole of maybe YouTube or something and, and seeing this picture of um, Craig Alexander winning, I don't know what year it was, the Ironman World Championship. It's this legendary photo. 
you know, he's has the finish line tape and he's just flexing and it's just like it, it, it drew my attention, that photo. And then it just so happened that my uncle um, did an Ironman uh, very recently, too. And so those things two collided. And I talked to my uncle about an Ironman. And I'm just like, I just that sounds really cool. I want to want to do it. And so I was a senior in high school, 17 going on 18. And so I signed up for my first Ironman and that's where it all started. Um, so I've been, I jumped into the deep end very quickly. <laughs> I had never had any endurance background. I played lacrosse, did wrestling, rugby in, uh, in school. And so I remember the first thing I did, which is very naive, um, I thought, oh, in an Ironman, you uh, have to run a marathon in that. So I signed up for a marathon, not knowing anything about training, and it was the next weekend. <laughs> and so oh I go in. Yeah, it was the um, Rock and Roll Marathon in Denver. And I went out, did it three hours and 50 minutes, no background in running. 350 and, on your first marathon with no background. That's impressive. Yeah. I, well, you should have seen me the last six miles because it was just a slog. <laughs> it was the most painful thing I've ever done. And any endurance athlete or anyone that's done something really hard like that, once you see that finish line and you cross the finish line of an event like that, it really just changes your perspective on everything. And I was hooked from then on. And so I went on to do um, six Ironmans, including Kona. Um, I raced at CU Boulder for the CU triathlon team and helped to win four national championships with the team there. Um, really great program at the school. And then um, it just so happened that I ended up getting burned out on triathlon. Um, I'm a very hyper competitive guy and um you know, I wasn't getting a ton of success in uh, like going to the pro fields. Like I was a top level, maybe amateur age grouper. Um, and so I needed to take a summer off. And um, that's when Leadville came into my mind. Um, and I signed up for the thing, a uh, thing called the Leadman Challenge. It's now called the Lead or Leadville Race Series. Mm. And it's all the, races in Leadville over the course of the summer. So it starts with the marathon, then you go to the 50 mile uh, run or 50 mile bike. Then you do the 100 mile mountain bike, the 10K run, and then the 100 mile run the next week. And so that's the whole series. And it was really hard and really rewarding. And that is what, what really got me into the sport. Um, just, I felt a lot more at home in the ultra running community. Um, I just like the people a lot more, um, loved running in the trail in the mountains more. And it just, it just felt better to me, felt more at home. Mm, I love that, man. And I love how like you went like so deep in, like, I mean, like Leadville, like, right. Like that's known as like the pinnacle or one of the pinnacles of, of, you know, trail running, right. When you think of like the marquee yeah. races, you get Western UTMB. And then usually in that top five mix of like iconic races is Leadville. Uh, it's yeah. super tough, super, what drew you to like that one specifically? Because like you mentioned, like, you know, you, you love being outdoors and like the trails, but usually when people, 
kind of, you know, get into trail running. They might do, you know, something a little smaller, maybe like a, you know, a marathon, which I know you did the level marathon, but you decided to do the whole series too. So uh, what led you to, to go all in on that? And I guess it also relates to the beginning answer or the beginning part of your story where you just kind of went all in on the marathon. Like what, what's your approach to that? Like, why, why do you, why are you so inclined to go for like the big things? Cause like, I, I love that approach. I think it's awesome. And I'd love to hear, you know, maybe your philosophy on that. Yeah, I don't know. It just was super attractive to me. Um, I don't know where that psychology comes from for me, just wanting to go all in at first. Um, but Leadville, it was, you know, it's the, I believe the second all is 100. I really like the story behind it with Ken Clauber and, and the whole mystique in those mountains. Um, above 10,000 feet, it's super hard. And it was in my backyard too. Like I was um, mm-hmm. living in Boulder. And so, you know, Leadville, it's only an hour and a half away, two hours away. And so it's right there. And the reason why I did the whole series was I wasn't aware of the whole lottery systems in a lot of these <laughs> milers. And so I'm going on the website, I'm thinking, I'll just sign up for this. And it's like, enter the lottery. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to put it to chance. Like I, I want to do it. And so I'm digging in the website a bit more. And it's like this Leadville race series challenge. Oh, so if you sign up for all the races, you can, you can do them on like, ah, I'll just do them all. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I signed up and I'm just like, well, this is, I guess, a surefire way to get in. <laughs> that's, that's really how I got in. And the that's rest is history. Crazy. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. And, and and even though, right, like that path was like so hard, like it sounds like you were determined to get there and you were willing to, to mm-hmm. find your way in through the hard way. And I mean, and I'm curious, and I mean, we'll talk about this later on, because I'm curious to see if that also played into like your chase for the golden ticket, because like, obviously, that's kind of I think like the equivalent of, you know, the Western States approach, right? You can get in the lottery and wait maybe like five, 10 years, like whatever, or you can get the golden ticket, which is so hard. So I love that you're taking like the hard way to get yeah. in and achieve your goals, which is awesome. So doing that first, uh, Leadville, uh, like kind of series, what year is that for you? And like, I guess like how early on is that in your running journey? Uh, that is super early. So that I turned 21 that summer. Bloodville. I'm 28 now. And so I don't know, that was seven years ago. Um, and I had no intention of, you know, trying to make uh, running more of like professional career. I um, knew that I was going to go into the Navy into the service after um, college. And I thought that was going to be my career pretty much. Um, but I used these endurance sports to kind of get my mindset and that mental strength um, to prepare myself for, for that aspect of my life, that part of my life. Um, and yeah, that, that just didn't work out. Uh, there wasn't the uh, career path that I wanted to take. And so now that I'm back, I just have this belief in myself that uh, this is, this is what I want to do. And I think that I can really uh, make it in this, in this world of uh, running super competitive now. And it's very exciting to be um, coming in to what I think is kind of a a golden age of trail running, just with how it has exploded in the past year, even um, how competitive these races are going. I'd say, Three of the races I was in this summer, the course record was shattered. Um, Adrian McDonald came, had third fastest time at the level 100 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, P. 
people are getting fast and more personalities are coming to the sport. And so it's exploding. And uh, we will probably talk about this at Bandera also, just the ability to live stream these races and what that can do for sponsorships and exposure to a lot of these athletes is huge. So I'm really excited for, um, for what's coming up. And, uh, you know, I kind of think of what I could have been doing if I didn't have those four or five years in, in the service, um, like where I would be now, but I'm still happy with, I haven't even been doing this seriously for a year. I started with Canyon 100K in April and the, the progress I've made so far, I'm very happy with. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see where I'll go. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And yeah, you, you came into the sport, like just so amazing. I mean, like, like even like coming in with like canyons, I mean, again, the 12th place, a 12th place finish on that race without like, uh, at least to, according to ultra sign up, not having like an ultra, like in between that phase of like then in 2019 is absolutely incredible. So like, I want to dive into that, like more a little bit. Cause like, like, what was your kind of thought process maybe coming out of like, you know, the, the coming out of the armed forces, right? Cause you mentioned like, Oh, you thought that was like kind of like the career for you, but you know, you wanted to kind of switch it. And before that you mentioned, Hey, I don't know if this is something like I want to do competitively or you never really, you said you never really saw that. Mm -hmm. Did that like change after the military? Like, was that like something that you had like right out of the gate? Did it kind of get triggered at Canyons? Like tell us a little bit more about like where that desire kind of came from and what the transition looked like coming out of the military and like really setting your sights on this goal to, to be a competitive ultra runner. Yeah. So one thing that comes to mind, the main thing, um, you know, in the service, in the, in the military, I was in the Navy, you move around a lot. Like I didn't live in the same place for over a year. Mm. Um, and a lot of my Navy career was, you know, filled with a lot of failure. Um, you know, I set the bar high for going for a lot of really hard things and I didn't make the cut a lot of the times. And so um, it taught me a lot of discipline. It taught me, you know, how to bounce back, um, mental fortitude. And it was just a really hard four or five years of my life. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that was constant that whole time was wherever you went, you could always run. Right. And so, um, I always had that outlet of running. Like if I had a bad day, if I had something on my mind, um, whether I was in Florida or California or Virginia, um, there's always roads to run on. And so I would always go back to the memories of Leadville or, or mountain running or, you know, watch videos, or recaps of races. And, um, it bring me, you know, a lot of uh, uh, peace mm. in, in, a, in a hard time in my life. And so running has done a ton for me and um, taking what I've done in the, in the service and having that constant of running, I wasn't by any means going to be a, um, a professional athlete in the, in the Navy. And I wasn't like doing a lot of mileage. I was just doing it to, to, you know, as a hobby, pretty much. Mm. And the last ultra I did was the Destin 50 when I was stationed down there for um, just a 50 mile on the beach, literally on the beach, out and back, just 25 miles out on the beach, 25 miles back. Oh my God, that's so brutal. I gotta say that was pretty hard. It was, it was, <laughs> it was all right on the way out because it was kind of overcast and you couldn't really see around you. It was kind of cool. You get to the 25 mile mark you turn around and the sun's out and you can just see 
all the way down the coast where you're going. <laughs> and that was brutal. And you're this weirdo in like Destin, which is kind of like a spring break destination party town. And you're this guy in short shorts and like a bib and and some ultra vest or something. And all these people are looking at you like a weirdo cheering you on, like offering you beer shots. <laughs> like you got this, you got this. And I mean, it wasn't a competitive field by any means at all. But um, ending up, you know, winning that and having some fellow service fellowship mates out there to cheer me on. It was just fun. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I really like that. That was really hard. And I think I'm, I'm going to pursue that outside of, uh, outside of the service. And so when I got out, um, I went back to school at C Boulder to, on the GI Bill to finish my degree in English and philosophy. And I raced with the triathlon team for another year. Mm. And, you know, I just wasn't getting any satisfaction out of triathlon anymore. I'd cross these finish lines. I love the people that I was training with. I love the squad, but it just really wasn't doing it for me anymore. And so that year was kind of my triathlon retirement year. And I had Canyon's 100K signed up. And so once I finished triathlon, um, I believe that month was the collegiate national championships. And that was my last race. And then I had the Canyon's 100K. Um, so I wasn't even training full-time running then either. I was doing kind of triathlon training, which, you know, kind of translates pretty well, but you need more run vol volume to be competitive at these races. And so I go to Canyon's 100K. I'm really excited for it. Like, I don't know what happened, but when I signed up for it, it was just like ultra sign up. Like I was up kind of near the top. I'm like, oh, okay, not that bad. But like overnight, it seemed to just explode <laughs> into what was dubbed the most competitive race in North American history. I'm like, okay, this is going to be pretty cool. And I get there solo, just myself, and I line up on the start line. And, you know, I'm like next to Peterman, Frederick, uh, Fred Tim Frerichs, um, Hazen, you know, a t just a laundry list of names. And we start and I'm just thinking, screw it, screw it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running with these guys. <laughs> and so I think I ran with them through the first A station, seven or eight miles. And I remember just running with them. I don't know. I'm probably nobody to them. And I, I, I knew it. <laughs> They were looking around and, you know, here's this, this guy just in his bright yellow uh, rain jacket, just like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, show me where I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And uh, I just made it through the first aid station. And I remember hitting our first hill. And for some reason I thought like, uh, I, I was like, you guys go ahead. I have to go pee on the side of the trail. Like they were going to wait for me or something. <laughs> I was absolutely redlining. I was like, this is not good. I need to back off. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how Canyon's 100K went. Definitely blew up. Super hard course. Um, really beautiful course. Really fun course. But um, that was pretty eye-opening. Um, even, you know, getting 12th place, um, men's side 13th, Jasmine, uh, passed me with the, like the last five miles, which was really cool to see. Um, getting to that finish line was super inspiring. I thought to myself, wow, yeah, I could, I think 
I think I could do this. Like, I think I could run with these guys. And uh, that has been my goal through this past year. Wow, dude. So first of all, like when you were like, I'm so much that I'm impressed by that. Like, cause I remember like you mentioning you were in the military and you were saying like running. So like in my head, I was thinking like, Oh, he's probably like putting up big mileage. But you were like, no, really wasn't putting up totally big mileage. I was just kind of running to run. And then I was like, okay, like maybe when he got out of the military training for canyons, he was like putting in the work. But like you said, it was more triathlon training. Wasn't really, you know, focused on running, which canyons, I mean, that's a technical course. Like that's not mm-hmm. like a, you know, a, not a hundred K road race. Like that is some steep climbs, like brutal trails, yeah. like uh, a lot of elements out there. And so, but you just went in there and then I love how like you had this like self-belief that you can go out and do it. Do you feel like having that belief in yourself has been like a big determinant in the success out there? And is there kind of like anything else that you think had allowed you to had such a great result on that day? You know, despite like, because like on, on paper, right? Like I looked at this and I was like, wow, like, you know, he must've been training hard, but like, it was kind of like, uh, you came in and saw the success. So was it the self-belief and then what were kind of like the other key factors that you think really led to an amazing day out there, you know, being, you know, one of your first ultras back after the military? Yeah. So self, self-belief and visualization are two of my uh, biggest things, especially at the top elite level. Everyone out there racing the professional elite level are we're talented athletes. Everyone's doing the work they're doing those mileage they're they're doing the hard sessions easy sessions they're taking care of their body they're eating right sleeping well um it's the self-belief if you don't believe that you can finish that 100 miler or you can get in the top three top 10 or if you aren't visualizing your race the day before i I think you've already lost it um you can have the most talent in the world physically but if you don't have that belief in yourself and your ability um, it's, it's, it's going to be wasted. So the number one thing like before a race that I do in my shakeouts is I visualize everything from, you know, the wake up and this was taught in the military also. And it was huge, huge thing was visualizing the whole day, the whole process from waking up in the morning, what you're going to eat, getting to the start line, you know, what you're going to feel going to the A stations, visualizing the energy around you, the trails, and look at how you finish in that finish line. And so one image that I always think about that I visualize is crossing the finish line and seeing like a tape. So like my main goal at all these races is to win. It's it's like I'm a competitive person, very easy going to lay back outside of it, but in race mode, like everyone out there wants to win. And so if you visualize that, that finish line and that tape and who you're going to run with and, you know, that Craig Alexander picture in my head, and I just kind of substitute myself with that finish line tape. And so those are big things, self-belief visualization, um, doing the, doing the runs. That's, that's the easy part, you know, racing, racing's fun. Uh, I say, you know, train hard uh, to race easy and, uh, yeah, you have to have all those components uh, to to be successful. I believe that is so fucking good. I I love that visualization technique, right? Like, cause that is, I, I, and 
I don't do it enough. I like want, it's always the thing. Like, it's just like, it makes so much sense. Cause like, I'm sure like you've heard and they, I don't know if they, the, they probably teach us in the military too. It's like, you win the battle in your mind before you're yes. actually out there. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's actually, art of war. Yeah. yeah, art of war. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's the quote I was trying to pull from there. And I've like read somewhere that like the brain like can't distinguish like what it sees like in the mind versus like what it sees in reality. So like you're building that self-belief through like that visualization. Cause it's like, Oh, like, yeah, JP, like, dude, you are like a top runner. Like you are someone who can win races and it kind of like reinforces that self-belief. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of funny if I'm sorry to anyone in the Boulder area that see me doing my shakeout runs before these races, I usually do it like a day before or where I go. I put some music on, like kind of just really chill and I'm out there, I'm visualizing on my run. And sometimes I get so emotional that Mm. I just like tear up or cry or, or I'm laughing or something like that. And people will be like looking at me at my best, like, what is he all right? I'm like, yeah, that's just JP on his visualization run. He's just doing it. That is awesome. But like, I get it. Like I, I, it makes sense that you're getting emotional. Cause like, it's like, you're almost in that moment. So like you're experiencing that and it's like, those emotions are real. And it shows like, you know, basically the emotions of what you would feel like when that becomes like a reality, so to say. So I, I freaking love that. Um, I'd love to dive a little bit more about like post canyons too, but like, since you mentioned, you learned that in the military, do you feel like being in the military and again, like it, it has given you like the tools, like you mentioned, like the visualization and having that self-belief or everything, but do you feel like being in the military has been like a, a pretty good edge for you out there and like feeling like you've like learned good tools out there? Like, I guess, how do you think about how your uh, experience in the military kind of relates to how you've been able to succeed? Because like, I always say like ultras are tough, but like, when you're in the military, like that's, that's next level tough. Like I was talking to you before, like that's a, yeah, it's a whole different beast. And so like, I, I always think like, I would assume it would be an edge, but I'm curious to hear from you, you know, coming from someone myself who hasn't been in the military, like what's your perspective on that? Yeah, there's um, a lot of dark moments and dark times that you can draw on for sure to be like, that was hard. This is so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of, you know, mental and physical strain that gets put on you. Um, very hard places to be, um, mm-hmm. very demanding, long work hours. Um, and it really gave me perspective on, you know, this is not what I want to do, but this is what I want to do with my life. Mm. And you definitely form a bond with a lot of the people out there too, that, you know, really help you out in those, in those tough times. And anytime I'm in a, in a hard place in a, in a run at a race, I, I can draw back on these. And I'm just like, man, that, that, that person back there in, in still in the military or, or that connection I made or that experience I had or that dark place I was in at that moment, like, you know, this is easy compared to that. So let's let's mm-hmm. go. Let's keep doing it. Um, so it's added a lot of it's just giving me another another gear to go into, like and not a lot of people have that gear. I say if, if it gets really dark in a certain in a race. I have that gear to go into that other people don't. And it's just made me want to chase um, this dream more because um, I feel like I've, I'm four years behind everyone else. Like I, I wasn't able to train or 
had these four years that I, I can't get back in terms of my running ability and, and training. So I'm just in like overdrive. Like I just really want to go, go, go and do it. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, man, I love that you mentioned that like a lot of people don't have that edge because, because it's true. I think, I think it can be easy and like an ultra, like to, if you haven't gone through like super hard experiences to maybe be like, Oh, like this is the most pain I've ever been in. And it's interesting. Cause like you look at like a lot of like really high performers out there. Um, you know, even like David Goggins who had like a crazy yeah. childhood also in the military too. I think one of his capacities to suffer well in these mm -hmm. like, kind of like physical events is because like mentally he's been through it. Like same with you, like mentally you've been through it. And so like, in the moment like tired legs like seems like a luxury like compared to what those other experiences are and like even for everyone listening right now it's like doesn't mean like you have to like go in the military do those things no, but like yeah. it's it's i think it it shows the value of like being in or waiting those situations where it was really tough for you in life or like even putting yourself intentionally in some uncomfortable situations that can like almost like give you a little bit of that edge that you mentioned that's going to like help make the suffering in the race seem uh, a lot less because to your point you know, you do have that chip that a lot of people don't have. And I think that is a good chip to pull, like when, when you're out there on a race. So, so back to canyons, right? You, you, you finish this race, 12th place, a male, like incredible finish at one of the most stacked ultras. What's going through your head and kind of, how do you formulate it? Cause then you just like, you didn't stop after canyons. You just kind of kept going forward. So like, what was the mindset and like, how did you like, cause I know you mentioned, you're like, oh, this is something I want to start taking seriously. Like, what did that process kind of look like and how did you go yeah. all in on it? So I knew I wanted to go back to Leadville and win the Leadman series. And so I set that goal. Um, um, once again, I was kind of naive and stupid and thinking, oh, I know there's no lottery, so I'll do Leadman. I'll go back and win it. Um, and so I signed up for it again, not knowing you could qualify for Led Leadville at these races for um doing like podiuming and you can get the little chips to go to lead belt so but anyway i signed up for a lead challenge again with the goal of winning it and um at every single one of the races i said to myself i wanted to top 10 or podium um you know and it was yeah uh a really great summer at leadville um i ended up winning the series overall um, I didn't have a mountain bike, so that's kind of a fun story. I, uh, borrowed a mountain bike from a neighbor, um, to do the hundred mountain bike the week before, which is the week before the run. And so I kind of did a crash course in mountain bike riding. Um, and I had ridden it before the last time I did lead man, but that was the last time I was on a mountain bike. And so I rented the mountain bike did it again, you know, one, once again, don't recommend it. My mindset is crazy and did it it was a disaster like i physically capable capable it's just the mechanicals i had flat tires um had to help with the medical emergency out there um it was just like i thought my lead man challenge was nuked after that because i lost i think an hour and a half to uh the standings and so i thought oh it was over but um the next week is the Leadville 100 and I get all on the start line and I had the goal of podiuming at Leadville. Um, that was my main goal is to get the top three and we start the race and my lay, I, I definitely underestimate 
how much a mountain bike the week before it does to your body. And you do the 10 K the next day, that Sunday. And I'm super competitive. So of course I go out and do it. Like, no, it's not a fast tank. It's a 10, 39 minute 10 K and my legs are fried. I'm starting the run on Leadville. I'm like, my legs do not feel good. <laughs> like this is going to be a bad day. And of course my mindset just goes to, well, just keep running fast and eventually your whole body will hurt. And then it's uh, not a problem. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And I stayed in uh, the top three of Leadville the whole race um, and ended up getting second to an amazing performance from Adrian. But uh, that really solidified that I, I think, yeah, this is this is what I should be doing. Holy Toledo. So not only did you get second in Leadville, which I was hyping up before, but you also did the, the lead series, a hundred mile mountain bike race and a fat, like a relatively fast 10 K yeah. all a week before. And you yeah. still came out in second place. Like I am, I'm first of all, I'm like blown away. Like that is like incredible. And I even love how in the beginning of that race, you mentioned you were like, Oh, I didn't like feel so good, mm-hmm. but like you, kept going and so like you had this like mindset of like hey like you know the the worse it gets the better i'm going to become like exactly, yes. so the is that the gets, is that the mindset perfect. you carry on all your races yeah so i don't think i'd ever be able to crack the world of sub ultra i think those people are super impressive of how hard they can suffer for a little bit amount of time that is not me like i i crumble my worst event was the marathon because like it just is it's fast it's still fast um but the longer it gets and the more you have to suffer the better i find that i do um just because i have that gear that i can go to and uh yeah that's what happened at the 100 miler um at bandera 100k that happened 50 miles so i think like 50 miles is is kind of my my good distance what i call my my short distance (laughs) it's my 50 miler yeah, for sure. And like, cause then, you know, uh, only a few months later at the, at frenzy at a competitive field, you you came in yeah. third too. Um, I definitely want to pull one more thread from Leadville though. Like, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, like this was kind of like the race that like solidified it for you. Was it more in the sense of like, Hey, like, look what I did despite like my legs just being shot and all the work that I put into it. Was it more like the fact that you came second at Leadville? And obviously that is one of the most competitive fields, like, in the u.s for ultras mm-hmm. for sure like what was it yeah. that like gave you that like that that uh sense of belief in in itself like and and why that race i guess over canyons because like i i can see canyons being like also one too and maybe it was but curious yeah. to hear like why level was like especially special i think it's because of the whole summer building up to it and just this i this this romanticism of going back to this race that started off for me and this series of starting it off for me. And it felt like I was finally becoming a full-time runner um, and like actually training for running. Um, I was running with, you know, the, the pros in the field and looking around, just pinching myself like, Oh wow. Like these guys are guys that I have looked up to and I'm running with them, chit-chatting with them. Um, and just i remember um saying to my pacer just at, at after power line looking to him and just like hey jesse i'm really really proud of this race that i'm running like i i'm really happy with how this is going and uh like i was 
in second, third was closing. And I was just like, but I, I gotta go. <laughs> like, like I gotta, I gotta secure the second place. And yeah, it's just digging really deep and, and getting the goal. It's, it's huge. Like I wanted to get top three, I got second and I'm just excited. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about going back to it and not having a hundred mile mountain bike under my leg, because <laughs> I really think that I could do a lot better than, than what I did at second. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I would say like the chip, the chips on the table, like if you like went out with to, to that without the mountain bike, I mean, easy bid for first. Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. the fact that coming in second after that is just unbelievable as is again, like in a competitive field, like you, you definitely had a shot at Adrian, I think like without the legs too, do you, so I don't know if this is alluding to it, but do you plan on going back next year? Is that like a goal for you? Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm wow. going to the Western Leadville double for sure. Ooh. Dude, that yeah. is, oh man, I would, and honestly, I would put my chips, like, I first of all, I think people should be watching out for you at Western, 100%. I think if they're not, then then they got something coming like that. Hey, no, 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 I like being the underdog. They, didn't, they, they weren't looking for me at Bandera, so I'm not there. <laughs> I know. There, don't look at me. Anyone listening, just disregard the last like five seconds. I need like the men in black like flash thing. Yeah, you know, right. have people forget. Um, but holy Toledo, yeah, the Western States Leadville double, like that is freaking awesome. Like I'm so stoked about that. And you you mentioned Bandera. Like l- let's talk about that now. So so yeah. Bandera right now it's uh January 13th. Everyone's listening to the 14th. So to be a full week after Bandera, and. Like you mentioned that you were someone that people weren't looking for and, and like talented runner, but you know, to your point, like you'd hear a lot of these, uh, you know, conversations just about like, Oh, here's who I think is going to get the golden ticket. Or there's like the free trail fantasy and everything like that. Were you seeing that? Like people weren't putting you in that conversation. And I guess like, what were, what were your kind of thoughts about that? Like to, to see it, did you like that? Did you not like, did it fire you up? Like, so curious to hear about that. Yeah. So I hadn't, I had, I've kind of a roller coaster of emotions with that. I mean, after Leadville, I just thought like, this is it. This is what's going to take me off. Like getting second place in Leadville. Mm. I don't know why it doesn't get, well, I think it's because it's UTMB the next week and mm. that's where all the focus of the ultra world goes. So Leadville has become kind of this stepchild of the ultra world where nobody really seems to care about it. And after um, getting second there, I thought, here we go. Like, um, in this hyper, I know it's a hyper competitive feel. And I was thinking, Oh, the calls are going to come. Like people are going to be interested in me and nothing happened. Mm. And so I'm like, Oh, this kind of, this kind of sucks. Um, but whatever, we'll just go on to the next one. I get off the wait list for Bandera after McDowell mountain frenzy. And I'm like, this is going to be a really competitive race. And so I signed up for it. And, um, I'm of course consuming all the media before just like, I do my research before looking to see who's there, um, what their kind of specialties are, what their kind of times are. So I'm not going in blind. It's all part of you know preparation. Uh, you got to be prepared going to these. And I was going to you know fantasy free trail, listen to all the podcasts, all the pre-race predictions, and I'm like, not a single mention. Like I, it might be ego. It's definitely ego. You know, every human has a ego, and it just it hit a bit, and I'm just like. Mm kind of had this imposter syndrome like I'm just like is what I've been doing just not even blipping on the radar 
And so I do think it kind of lit a fire under me in that, um, yeah, I'm going in with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, honestly. Um, I'm going to show this ultra world that I'm, I'm here and I can run and I'm, uh, <laughs> I have the belief in myself that I can do it. And I'd say Bandera hundred K of all the races I've done so far was the most fun because mm -hmm. of how competitive it was. And it felt like racing. Um, so yeah, we can, we could definitely get into more of the, the, um, bits and pieces of how the race unfolded and all that stuff. Yeah, I would love to. And I appreciate you sharing that, man. Like, cause that I got, I got goosebumps when you were telling that, like, cause like, I think having that chip on the shoulder, like, and, and again, like, you know, some people was like, Oh, it's ego. Like don't live there. And honestly, like, I think it's powerful, man. Like it's yeah. like, if you, if you learn to like harness it in a way that can like propel you forward, like, um, I don't know people and people diss on the ego. And I agree, like, you know, you shouldn't have it like be a hundred percent of like the mm -hmm. compass in life. But man, that's like a, it's a powerful chip to have. Like when you say, okay, yeah. you're not talking about me. Like, all right, like, let me show you, like, let me, yep. let me go out and do it. Like, and so, uh, man, that's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was, a, it was a death of driver, but first I had the belief in myself that, you know, I could do it. So that's, that's where it came from. Yeah. And, and I'd love to get into the nitty gritty of Bandera, but you mentioned one thing with like imposter syndrome. Like I know it's, it's so easy, I think for everybody to feel this. I mean, I feel it at some points. I know a lot of like people in the running community who are my friends, they feel it too. Like it can be definitely something like maybe even you have like a, a run that like, is like at a slower pace and you're like, Oh crap. Like you start to spiral. Right. Like I know I've been there a million yeah. times before. Yeah. How did you circumnavigate that imposter syndrome so that when you went to this toe the line at Bandera, you set your mind up for a great day? Because I think like, and I'm speaking from personal experience. I know when I've had imposter syndrome in the past, like it almost is like kind of like a governor on your brain, right? Like it kind of like, you know, like when you're doing good, like sometimes like that voice can come in and be like, if you let it like, can be like, Oh dude, like you shouldn't be up here. Like, what are you doing? But it sounds like you were able to clearly like kind of curb that. How did you, how did you kind of do that before Bandera? Um, it's just totally mental. Just, you know, getting in, it's always good to do your research and get into, you know, what, you know, listen to these podcasts, but just don't, it's not everything. And I had to go through myself and be like, I haven't been doing this sport for even a year. Um, I am very new. Nobody really knows who I am. And so um, I just let the actions do, do the speaking and um, all of that external thought goes away. Once that gun goes off, I'm on the start line and that three, two, one goes and it just, goes away and you're in the mode like it's a race day and during a race is probably the most alive that I ever feel and just being around those competitors going into aid stations running the trails fast <laughs> uh, it's fast at the beginning suffering at the end <laughs> um, it just went away and definitely securing that golden ticket it it really I told my roommate when I came in with the golden tickets like I guess my imposter syndrome's gone. <laughs> and so it, I think I, I, you know, you're, we're all our own harshest critics and um, getting that external validation, like something like a golden ticket is uh, really makes me believe in myself even more. 
Mm, so it's like you almost like had to like show yourself like yeah like hey i have to like prove it to myself that i can do it and, exactly. and you did yeah I, I i don't need i don't need the affirmation of all these other people from um all the different uh running outlets you know the one person you need to prove it to yourself is yourself and the rest will come so if you just do what you know you can do and prove it to yourself others will see it and the success will follow Oh my God. That's so good. I got like chills when you said that. That was like so, so good. And I love that too. Cause it's not like, Oh, you know, they didn't rank me on this podcast. So I'm going to show them it's, it's not, I got to show me. And then once exactly. I show me like that's, that's the number one most important thing. And I think that mentality is the reason why going back to our conversation about like, you know, getting motivated by people not talking. I think that's the way to do it is to say like, Oh, you know what? I'm doing this to show me. Cause like, if it's like, I'm doing this to show them, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's not always sustainable. Right. And yeah. you kind of, you know, exactly. fall into the whim of what other people. So that's awesome that it comes back to you. All right. So now, now I want to dive into the Bandera race. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is this like one of your first deep dives, like into, into the race, like and kind of explaining it a little bit, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of media mm -hmm. outlet? Yeah. It. I've had the whole, the whole, uh, this is my first, yeah. First podcast. So, um, yeah, it's the first dive into it. And, um, yeah, it was a really fun race. I had some snafus at first i really liked the weather well first walking in i did my little shakeout run before the race on the that first five miles that first technical sec section and um in some shoes that i thought i was going to race in don't want to disparage them but they were not good on oh, <laughs> that no. trail and so i go into um the hoka reps are there and they're packing up and i'm like do you guys have any shoes for sale and they're like no uh, but we have these demo shoes. I'm like, do you guys have some speed goes or some mafates? And like, here, you have these mafates. I'm like, can I like buy these? And it's like, no, you can just use them. And so I'm like, okay, sweet. So I just used the demo speed, the demo mafates. <laughs> so that was the first kind of hurdle I had to jump over. The second hurdle was race morning. Um, yeah, we were lining up. It was 10 months before the race. You know, it was like uh, race started at sevens, I think. Yes, or no, 730. And my watch was at 7.20 and I kept looking at my watch I'm like, it's been 7.20 for a long time. And then I looked and saw the seconds weren't moving. And so I'm like, oh shit, my watch <laughs> it just stopped working. And so I sprint back to my car, grab my phone just to have some sort of like for Strava, just to record, just to see if I wanted to see where I was to have that. But sprint back, it was a minute before the start. I'm getting to the start line. I'm like, okay, I made it. And so I start Strava and I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing this on feel. And so I went the whole run without any mile markers, any pacing, any, you know, time, which is fine with me because I'm out there to race. Um, and whatever the lead pack is doing, I'm following. And so, yeah, those are two, two little snafus <laughs> before the race even started. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many questions there. So like, <laughs> so like the first thing is like how did you keep your head cool like because i think it can be so easy to like like think like oh man i'm not racing in the same shoes my watch is broken i'm doing this all on feel and like like i know for me i rely so much on this watch and so like especially if you're going like after a golden ticket or like a pr like whatever mm -hmm. so like number one how do you how did you like compartmentalize all those things so that you didn't let it get to your head and number two um 
do you feel like not having a watch almost helped you out there? So I'm curious, curious to hear those two things. Yeah, I would say it kind of also goes back to uh, my military experience is you just keep a cool head. Um, you can't control the uncontrollables. Like my watch broke. Oh, what? Like how you react to it is all on you. And so, well, I guess I'm running on fuel. These shoes weren't working out. I'm not going to drive an hour and a half to the next uh, um, running store. I'm just going to ask these guys if they have shoes. They had them. Cool. I'll race in them. Uh, shoes are shoes. Like <laughs> it's just, it's just how your your you react to what what you can't control is kind of one of my biggest uh, philosophies. It's just uh, you can control what you control, and everything else is just wasted mental energy. So that's the biggest thing. That is so good, man. I I love that. Like I I think. And I think that makes you a great ultra runner and it makes any great ultra runner great in the sport is being able to solve problems and do it with a level head. Like I think, yeah. and you got to get both those things because you can solve a problem, but if you're still kind of like stressing out and not like, being like, yeah, flustered or even just like, oh man, like crappy shoes, like blah, blah, blah. You just kind of write off the experience before it happens. Like, man, like you, especially in an ultra where there's so many miles where things will inevitably go wrong. Uh, yeah. it's just not going to serve you. So I think that speaks well to it. And then on the second point, do you, do you feel like not having a watch helped you out there? Like, do you feel like going on feel like how, how was that? Like, cause I, it seems like you don't, it, it and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like mostly you're running with a watch and you kind of look at it. And so feel, I don't know how often you do that, but like, do you feel like that helped out there? Yeah. I'm usually a slave to the watch. I always have my watch on every run and always recording it and so going out there i was just like well yeah i guess i'm going without uh going without a watch i did you know start my my strava track on my phone but i only checked that twice throughout the whole race um and i think it did help because sometimes like my whole mindset i i've, I've said this is i'm racing the race and so you know a lot of the pre-race talk was oh will he negative split this lap or Will he get to eight stations? Are they on course record behind court? Is it a slow year, fast year? I don't care. I really don't care. If we're going for course record, we're going for course record and we're running. If we're going slower, we're going slower. I respond to what other racers are doing and it, it served me well. And um, yeah, it, it, I think it did help because the mental side of things too, when you're deep in a race and you look down at your watch and you glance, oh, I'm going to 10 minute mile up this hill. Oh, they're, they're cat. Like it just cascades into a series of negative self-talk. Um, and so not having the watch probably helped a lot. I'm, I'm not to say I've not going to, I'm probably not going to do that again. I do like having a bit of the information, but, um, it did feel a little freeing just to be like, I'm just out here to run. Wow, dude, that's so good. And you know what? It makes so much sense just thinking about it and like you explaining it. Cause like, um, even though like, you know, you're, you may be in second place or first place or whatever, like in the lead pack, even like seeing the watch and like seeing your pace, like tick up a bit, even though like you're like lead ahead and maybe even feeling good and you see that pace kind of drop again, like it can kind of be like that governor to be like, Oh, like, well, 
I guess I'm falling apart. Like, and you subconsciously start to play into that, right? Because the brain kind of like justifies whatever it sees. Like, you know, you you yeah. tell it a story, it's going to justify it. And so I can totally see that being like an edge out there because like you don't, like you're just going on feeling. If you're feeling great and you know you're at the top of the pack, which sounds like it gives you fuel up there, like that, yeah. that really helps. So like for this race, like is your goal just like, in those beginning races, just like stay at the top and just run with the lead guys and, and just keep it going. And is that how it kind of played out in Mandera? Yeah, that's been my goal since uh Canyon's hundred K is just go out with the lead and uh, ride the lightning. Um, and <laughs> just <laughs> See what happens. And it's been working out so far. So I might keep doing it. Honestly. <laughs> I love ride the lightning. I, I love that. I love that. Like, and so like when you're, like, um, I'm curious, like, how does that, how did that kind of play out of Mandara, right? So like in the beginning, you're kind of running with that lead pack. Like, did you ever get like any, like, cause like, you know, I know you mentioned that like canyons, you kind of had that part where, uh, you know, you were like, oh, I'm going to, you know, take a piss and then come back and then yeah. kind of start fading a little bit. Like, uh, did you any, ever get any points where you're like, oh man, like my legs are, are feeling a little tough, like where maybe you started to like you know, start to question and maybe push through that. Like curious to hear like what those middle sections of that race looked like. Cause that's like, I feel like at Bandera at that middle part, that's where so much carnage happened. Yeah. Um, and that's where, like, I think the true color shown. Um, mm -hmm. So tell us about your mindset and maybe that part of the race. Yeah. So it was super bunched up for a majority of the race. I'd say going to the first two or three aid stations, um, we were all super bunched up. Um, like Canyon moved forward um, and uh, some other people were kind of jostling, making moves, but we were pretty bunched up for that first part of the race. I don't think anyone really wanted to make a move. Um, we were all just chit-chatting, kind of laughing, just, you know, just out for a casual long run, it felt like. But it seemed like it kind of switched after, I think, nachos. Um, where kind of the banter and everyone just it just got quiet and like that's when he knew like okay it's it's race time um, and I made a move um, going down into Chapa's um, kind of sat in second place and was able to uh, catch Canyon uh, just out of the 50k um, just going back up that first climb and so I was I was in first then and it was pretty nice and overcast, but then the sun came out going into equestrian and I was starting to cook. Um, and that was a hard section. Um, I attribute a lot of, you know, my success in that race to um, when Jeff caught me, um, Jeff Colt. It was uh, from equestrian to nachos, which I thought was the hardest section of the course. It was uh, the most technical climbs, the most technical events, the sun was out. It's a pretty long stretch without any aid. And I heard footsteps coming up behind me and I didn't even have to look back to know it was going to be Jeff Colt. Like I knew if someone's <laughs> going to pass me, it was going to be him. Uh, he comes up to me and he's like, you're JP, right? I was like, yeah. Uh, he's like, I've heard of you. I was like, yeah, it's good to meet you. And I said to him, Jeff, it'd be good to meet you in any situation but this one right now. <laughs> and he pumped me up. He's like, hey, JP, come up. We got a chase pack. They're three minutes behind us. 
if you and me work together on this section, we can secure our golden tickets. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like there's moments in a race where, you know, it's the binary. You either give up on yourself or you go. And so I could have been like, what was me? I'm tired. I'm hot, blah, 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 blah. But I said, I have this world champion caliber athlete with me and I'm going to run with him and we're, we're going to get through this. And we pushed each other through that. And I think looking back at the live stream, I think they said that we negative split that, that section of the course on the second, um, second lap. And so that was huge. Um, I, we roll into the next, the aid station, I believe it's nachos. And this also speaks to the importance of having a crew and a big part of these races is aid stations. Um, you know, a lot of people think of aid stations as a time to, you know, regroup and yeah, if you have to, you do, but that, that clock is running. People are still racing and you need to change your mindset. If you want to race at the top level from, uh, minutes to seconds, like they need to be quick. Um, and Jeff having his, uh, I think dad out there, race day, Rick was super huge. Anyone that had a crew out there was huge. Um, he was in and out of that A station and I was sitting there just kind of like, uh, water, electrolyte Coke. And I see Jeff just quick change. And I see my friend run off into the distance. I'm like, no, Jeff, come back. please, wait for me. Cause I think that if I had a, a, a smoother A station, I could have, um, hung with him for longer, which could, could have been exciting. I mean, who knows, you know, you can't say one way or the other, the day unfolded, how it unfolded, but man, I really wish I, I ran with them for the rest of that way. I think it could have been a really exciting finish. Um, but yeah, I had no intel on how far people were behind me. Um, and so I just knew once I got to nachos, it was more rolly. And once I got to the flat section of the course, I knew I had flat legs so I could, I could run. I think a lot of ultra runners don't put time in training for, opening up that leg speed and doing flat work, speed work. Um, so I'm running pretty flat, you know, six minute, five fifty, six minute miles, mm. um, for 10 miles, like just doing 10 mile time trials to get that leg speed. Cause it's sections like that. It really helps if you can turn over your legs and you have that strength to get that speed, um, on those flat sections. And so I knew once I hit that flex flat section, um, before Yaya, I could, open up some more of a gap and I've got to Yaya the last aid station I knew there was five miles to go I had no idea how far behind me the next third place was or how they looked and I thought this is your day this is you're getting this golden ticket and so I get through that aid station I'm just hammering just tearing myself into a hole and I just know you have this one punchy climb and then downhill and yeah I dug myself a deep hole and I had this thing in races where I, I get a little too like um, confident in myself, I guess, like in Leadville, I was like, Oh wow, you're in second place or you're leading the Leadville 100. Like, man, this day is yours. And I was like, Nope, it's not over till it's over. So I was completely focused until I saw those Hoka arches. And then I'd take a look back and I'm like, I got this. And it was like, it finally came over me that, wow, you just secured a golden ticket to the Western States 100. Like 
you you going back to the lottery and everything like you told your friend like the only way that i'm getting into this race is getting a golden ticket and i set my mind to it i put that out into the world the universe visualized it you know work towards it and uh it it happened <laughs> oh my god bro i got chills like literally just head to toe right now just from like that story of cuz you, you can tell like in your voice like just how much this meant to you and like how much work you put in and i'd love to hear in your words i mean like like you like you mentioned like crossing that that finish line getting that golden ticket tell us a little bit more about that feeling like what what was that like and like i guess how what has been like your your reflections coming off of that and and would just love to hear like what the moment was like and you know what you've been able to kind of take away from this whole experience and and your biggest uh takeaways you know from from achieving this massive goal because like it is just so inspiring man and I'm, I'm stoked for you yeah just like crossing the finish line in any race is is super special um you just get a flood of emotions um, seeing Jeff there and and just giving each other a big hug and congratulating each other was huge. Um, the support from all the fans that were there, the camaraderie, um, and like I just had to sit there for a while and I just was sitting there and I just like got overflown with like emotions, just like oh my god, like this happened you got this golden ticket like are you dreaming right now um these people that you're racing with are some of the legends of the sport like like john kelly mm. um string bean um and really impressive obstacle course racers ryan atkins canyon woodward being super brave and running from the front um you had world champion caliber athlete with jeff cole i'm just like your name was in that mix and a lot of athletes go their whole career chasing these golden tickets and you like got lightning in a bottle and had a really special day and yeah, you, you can do this. So, uh, it, it just got rid of the imposter syndrome, cemented a belief in myself. And I am just super looking forward to this year and what I can do. And I just have really huge goals and aspirations for, for this year. Dude, that is so freaking awesome, man. Like I, first of all, I'm just super, super proud of you. Super stoked that like you got to like build this journey for yourself. Right. Cause like, and, and I love to like you, you know, this is, this is a journey that like you built for yourself, right? You set this goal, you, you worked hard at it. You put in the training, you put in the mental work, which is I think even more important than like the physical training in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you had that like competitive mindset. You solved the problems. I mean, like all the, the actions you taken were just bricks laying the, the path for you to get this golden ticket, man. And it's like, it is just so inspiring. Like, honestly, this has been like one of my, my favorite podcast interviews, like in a while, just cause it's like so awesome just to see like you crafting this awesome path for yourself and, and getting a goal that you want. And I love how you mentioned in the beginning, you said like, Hey, if I'm getting into Western, I'm getting in with a golden ticket and you did it. Like that is yeah. so cool. So, uh, man, this has just been amazing. I'd, I'd love to dive in. Cause you, you ended that pot that, um, that point on your big aspirations for the sport. Obviously you have, we know based on this, you have Western States, hundred miler next year mm -hmm. and you're going for the Leadville. So Western, uh, Western and, uh, Leadville double two. Um, I mm -hmm. see an ultra sign up, you're signed up for black Canyon. Is that, is, is that also, are you still doing that? Like curious to hear. Yeah, that's in the cards. Um, I'm going out. Body is feeling good. Um, 
I'm going to get back out on the trails this uh, week. The main thing that's been bothering me are my feet, just like any ultra runner, the, the feet just get a beating. And so uh, just waiting for some of those blisters to heal up. But I'm going out there, you know, to c- compete again, build that resume, build, run against some fast guys. Um, and I think it'd be really good practice doing a net downhill course also just to mm-hmm. see how that works. My strength, I would say, is downhill running and being able to trash the quads is, is you know, a, a strength of mine. So I will be going out to Black Canyons. Um, I just chasing that that eternal high of the finish line right now. But really excited for that one. I'm going to be doing that. And then the only thing I think I'll do before Western States and Black Canyons is maybe Canyons 50K. Go out mm. and do a, a faster uh, tune-up race before um, Western. Mm-hmm. And then for summer, um, Western States, going for that top 10 for sure. Um, you know, I'll even go out and say top five for Western States. Let's go. And then for Leadville, I'm going for the win, 100%. Dude, that would be such an epic like summer, right? To go mm-hmm. top five at Western and it would be your first time at Western too, which is yeah. like even more epic. And then to win Leadville, I don't know. I, I'm curious. Like, I don't know if anyone has anyone done to your knowledge, like the Western Leadville double and one Leadville. I'm not sure. No. Um, the only person that might come to mind is Anton. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Um, my, my race history isn't that uh, yeah. in depth. Yeah. It's the same with mine, as you can tell, but mm-hmm. like, I think I, I highlight that into the sense of just like how awesome like of a goal that you're setting for yourself like i think it's so awesome man and uh like again uh, i want to keep that uh like you said like keep you keep you like as the underdog like you mentioned but at the same time man like i will say like i i uh i it's crazy too because like you're just getting started 28 years old i mean that's that's young for this sport. I mean, like we see some people who are, you know, in their prime at like 34, 35. And so like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the fact that you've even still got runway to go is like amazing. And you're already having these goals. Like what you just mentioned, I think is 1 million percent doable by you. Like getting that uh top five at Western and then uh, getting the win at Leadville, man, like no doubt on it. And uh, I, yeah. I, I believe that you're going to get there too. And uh, man, like, I, I think you're, you're going to be a force to reckon with. I mean, you already are in the sport, but yeah. I'm just blown away to to even just think about the potential of where you can go from here. Excited. Yeah. Super excited. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And for anyone here who wants to like follow along on your journey, like where can they best do so? Are uh, I know you're on Instagram. Uh, if you're on Strava, like where can people follow along uh, on the JP journey? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, on Instagram at jgiblin13 and then Strava, I'm just JP Giblin. Um, yeah, live in Boulder. So if people want you know, I, I'm always looking for some uh, training partners, running partners. Uh, so hit me up and we could hit some trails. Um, I love building community and and uh, and cultivating this sport. I think it's my main goal is just try to inspire people to get out and do really hard stuff because life becomes easier. Um, mm. After doing these ultras, perspective on life changes, you know, the day-to-day job becomes easy um and it's just a super great community to be part of i am really happy that i I found this niche little weird world of ultra running (laughs) it's a bunch of weirdos just running in the mountains and i love it it's so much fun 
It's so true. Like when you really think about it, like we are just all weirdos, right? Like it's like, yeah. like think about like what we're doing. We're out there in the woods, hundred miles, hundred K, like wherever running, wearing usually like brighter skimpy clothing, yep. like eating yep. sugary stuff, like uh -huh. potentially shitting ourselves. Like, I mean, it's just yep. like, <laughs> it's almost like we're describing like toddlers here, but the, yes. the toughest toddlers in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But man, dude, I, and I love that the community aspect too, that you're building as well. And like, man, I, I encourage anyone here to like follow along on your journey. Like I'll put your social handles uh, and your Strava, like you mentioned in the show notes for people to listen along. And uh, dude, JP, like this has been like, and no lie, this has been one of my favorite podcast interviews I've done in a while. I think you have the mindset of a winner and I'm, I'm thinking of like, like title in that, like the winning mindset for ultra running. Uh, Cause like, I really think that's what you have and what you've cultivated. And um, man, I know I'm fired up at this. I know our listeners are as well. And so dude, it's been awesome chatting with you, but before I let you go, I got to ask the question that I ask every single guest on this podcast. And that is what can our listeners do every single day to be a better endurance athlete? Um, just do something out of your comfort zone. That's it. Just, uh, wake up. And, uh, like I say, you can control the controllables. Don't let those uncontrollables get to you too much. And, uh, do something hard, you know, um, and, you know, I'm the big mindset of, you know, wake up in the morning, do something good with just making your bed or something simple. And so at the end of the day, no matter how crappy a day you had, you can look back at even the simplest tasks that you did and say you, you accomplished something that day. And so you can go into the next day and uh, with the, with a clean slate. So yeah, just keep on trucking. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And it goes back to that point you mentioned earlier of saying like, you know, when, when you do hard things, life becomes easy and, mm -hmm. uh, doing that is the key to success. I feel like not just in ultras, but like you mentioned, like your job, your day to day, everything like that. And I absolutely love that message, man. So JP, thanks so much for coming on again, man. Like this was a real treat. Uh, congrats again on the golden ticket, man. And, uh, I'll actually be racing at black Canyon. So, uh, I'll be, I'll be, uh, trying to keep up with you out there. And, yeah. Uh, say hi. Yeah. We'll uh, connect before and just, yeah. Say hi, get some food or something. Yeah. That'd be awesome. 100% man. Yeah, I live local in the AZ area so it's super easy for me but uh Great. yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll hopefully try and uh, catch up to you out there cuz I know you'll be uh you'll be slamming it pretty hard out there. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it, Joe. Thanks for having me on and uh yeah, thanks for listening everyone. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening everyone and we'll uh see you real soon. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Appreciate you listening in. And if you have any topics or guests or suggestions for the show, I would love to hear that because I want to make sure this show is so valuable to you that I'm able to provide all the things that you're looking for to become a better endurance athlete every day. So if you have those things, feel free to send them over to me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. That is my handle, J-O-E-C-O-R-C-I-O-N-E. And I'm more than happy to fit it into the show, reach out to the guests that you're looking for, and ultimately give the value that you're looking for. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. Uh, would love to get more ultra runners and uh, people in the ultra endurance community listening to this podcast because the more this podcast grows, the better we're able to serve you as well. And so thank you so, so much again for listening in. I tell you, I do not take it lightly. And remember, my friends, become a better endurance athlete every single day. Take care.